2: because you are entering the no-whining world of January Jones.
1: Hello, everyone. (laughs) I hope you're having a wonderful day today. I'm January Jones, and I would like to welcome you to our podcast. As you can see, I'm wearing my hat of the day. Today, it's a history navy blue hat. I, my new brand is Glitter Granny, um, Old Hat Lady. Actually, I love the hats because then I don't have to do my hair. <laughs> now, for my listeners, let me ask you a question. Did you know that it is 60 years since the Kennedy assassination? Now, isn't that hard to believe? I mean, 60 years. I read, Everyone, everyone remembers where they were when it happened. And it was such a tragic thing. The whole country went into mourning. And still, 60 years later, people are still asking, who killed Kennedy? It's a big question, and it's been going on for 60 years. Tell me. Would you know why Aristotle Onassis would be in the White House during JFK's funeral as the guest of the First Lady? Hmm, not many people know that. Did you know that after Jack Kennedy died, Jackie basically was broke and needed money? Tell me, why do you think Jackie would decide to marry Aristotle Onassis, who happened to, to be the toast. richest man in the world She'll at that bang, time. But she doesn't want to toast. Have you ever wondered why such a young, beautiful woman would marry someone so much older? He was 30 years older. That's quite a bit. Could you imagine what it would be like to go from a wedding chapel to a honeymoon on your own yacht? and private island. Do you wish you could meet someone who can tell you more about the greatest crime of the last century? Have you ever heard about a book entitled Oh no, Jackie O. I should say an audio book. book. If you can answer yes or maybe to any of these questions that I've asked you, you are in the right place, and I would like to welcome you to January Jones Sharing Success Stories. So now it's time, rest, relax, go get some wine, get some teas and crackers, and join us in the No Wine Zone. Let me tell you a little bit about my guest. She is known as the Story Genie. And she has been on our show several times before, and she's also a dear friend of mine. She has done the audio book, uh, my audio book, Oh No, Jackie O, for us. And I'm so pleased to welcome back to the show Jeannie Kokorin. Hi, Jeannie. How are you doing today?
0: Hi, January. I'm great. It's wonderful to be on your show again. I always have so much fun, and it's always so informative and interesting and even reminds me of things I already know but forgot. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, before we go on, just give our listeners a brief little summary of your background. Uh you have such an interesting background, especially what you did when you were working in uh Los Angeles and the film commission. Tell us just briefly what your history is.
0: Sure, sure. Well, I'll I'll start current and work backwards briefly so I don't I don't say too much for too long. Um I've been a film commissioner for over 20 almost, well, over 25 years now. And I was um, a film commissioner and the production manager for the State of Nevada Film Commission headed in Las Vegas, Nevada for about 10, 11 years. And then I came down and founded the Sarasota County film commission called Sarasota County Film and Entertainment Office, and I did that for almost 14 years until COVID knocked me into the unemployment line, uh, or into retirement, however you want to look at it, and everything happens for a reason. But my story, genie background is that I have always been, since I was very young, an entertainer of children i've been writing children's books i've been writing writing stories back in 2004 for a couple of years i actually had a television program called tales from the story genie and we had children under 12 years old singing and dancing and performing you can see it online at my website storygenie.com pieces of it and uh, we thought we were on the way to great things and high places and we were on uh, 48 stations across the country and we were on family television and cable and so forth. And it just was, it was just rocketing for us. And my music collaborator, Karen, and her husband, Duncan, were in the show. And unfortunately, Duncan, who was our Duncan the Giant, was also our financial guy. And he became ill and um, it changed the whole complexion of everything. And Story Genie kind of ground to a halt. But we are now relaunching. Here it is, you know, in 2023. And we're relaunching 20 small uh, Story Genie teeny tales as well as a podcast. So um, my background is acting, writing, performing, helping other projects, working with projects from Hollywood and Los Angeles and everything in between.
1: Well, I'd like to share with our listeners that Jeannie and I are part of a small group of gals, and we meet every Wednesday for lunch to, you know, solve all the world's problems. And uh, shout out to Ruth and Nancy, and Chris. And we were having lunch one day, and I was talking about, Ono oh, no, Jeff, and that I really wanted it to, uh, I wanted to do an audio book. Mm-hmm. Turns out, Vini sitting across the table for me says, well, that's what I do. Yes. Talk about serendipity. And so she now has done all my books on audio book.
0: And- yeah.
1: Yeah, and I'm so happy with it and so pleased. She's got the best voice to listen to. Believe me, I was just on a trip, and I listened to her voice for quite a long time. It was wonderful.
0: Well, I love doing it. And I'm on my, I think I'm at 17 or 18 client books for all different kinds of people, for all different kinds of subjects and everything from uh, socio-political to um, good health and meditation, but your books are my favorites. I have been so <laughs> enjoyed them so much, and I, I, I'm just enriched by all that knowledge that most people just don't have. I mean, that's a surprising amount of knowledge, and you are the most awesome mega researcher I have ever met. Nobody oh, but- has the kind of bibliographies in their books that you've got.
1: I know, the bibliography is ridiculous. But you know, this is what I was taught when I went to uh, Catholic school, University of Detroit and Immaculata High School in Michigan, mm-hmm. and research, research. And that's, you know, and this was research that was done the old-fashioned way. This book was written before we had access to the uh, internet. I did it the old-fashioned way in libraries. Now, before we start talking about Oh No, Jackie O, oh, tell me, Jeannie, interesting, what did you think, uh, before you met me, before you read my book, what were your uh, thoughts and perceptions about the Kennedy assassination?
0: Well, I think I was very yeah, representative yeah. of most of Americans. I thought it was very tragic. I thought he was a charismatic president. I was very, very young at the time when he was assassinated, so I didn't really know whether his politics were effective or not, but he was handsome and he was witty and, you know, it just was a heartbreak to see such a young being cut down in his prime. And of course, she was stunning on his arm. She was like the perfect, most beautiful, most exotically Um, and stylishly uh, cut out first lady I'd ever seen. So it was tragic, and it was heartbreaking. And I remember my teacher, um, I think I was, what, in the third grade, he came in crying. He actually came into the classroom crying that the president had been shot. And um, we all just sat there stunned. And then later at home on television over the course of time, I actually saw the Jack Ruby live uh, murder of... um, yeah. yeah, of Oswald. And uh, the whole thing was just so stunningly that horrible, that mm-hmm. I mean, it was more than said. my young mind could really wrap itself around. But that's that's the impression that I kept and the fantasy to a certain degree of JFK and, and Jackie Kennedy being this perfect, ideal, beautiful, youthful president and first lady that America had never seen and has never seen since. And we've had some great first ladies. I mean, Nancy Reagan was stylish. Uh, oh. show Obama was just a class act. We've had a lot of great first ladies, let's say it. But um, mm-hmm. I just have never seen one like Jackie. She was one of a kind.
1: Yeah. And that was an interesting aspect to it. Uh, as as I said earlier, everyone knows and remembers where they were, when it happened, and the whole country, it was uh um, the first time I think the whole country had come together for three, four days. We were all in, glued to our television set because this was the only thing on television. But it was such a pageant and it gave the country such a majestic feeling with the pomp and the ceremony it was
0: and like england being installed or or being uh it was like watching a coronation
1: yeah yeah really? exactly and 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 that actually at that point in time Jackie was it was a coronation she did become the queen of our country, at, at least the queen of our hearts at that time. You know, we're going to take a break right now and talk about another book that I wrote, Thou Shalt Not Whine. The-
2: Lately, there's a whining epidemic in our world. People are even whining about whining. Are you sick and tired of listening to everyone whining all the time? So was January Jones. The author of Thou Shall Not Whine, the 11th Commandment, that reached number one at Amazon.com. Ms. Jones based her book on a survey of the top ten things that people whine about at all ages and all stages of life. January is a success coach that can tell you how to help others. When you buy Thou Shall Not Whine, the 11th Commandment, You'll find out what people whine about and how to stop them from whining. This is the perfect gift book to give or get for any occasion. Thou Shall Not Whine was voted the best gift to be given anonymously for those special people in your life. Ms. Jones is an internationally known author in the style of Irma Bombeck, specializing in housewife humor with her book being published in Korea and China. You can find Thou Shall Not Whine at Amazon.com.
1: Welcome back with my guest, the Story Genie, Genie Kerkharan. Genie, before we go on with our podcast, could you share with our listeners uh, your contact information,
0: your website, so
1: people can buy your books and follow you?
0: Sure. It is uh, Story Genie, S-T-O-R-Y, like tell a story, G-E-N-I-E, like a genie in a bottle, storygenie.com. And you can email me, genie, G-E-N-I-E, at storygenie.com. It's very easy. And on my website, you'll see clips of books. You'll see clips of the video. You'll see a whole lot of interesting stuff. And uh, we hope to be launching before the end of the year my brand-new series, Story Genie Teeny Tales. So for any child in your family or just for youthful grown-ups, it's all fun. And it's all in rhyme, most of it. All original music, all original everything.
1: Wonderful. Now let's talk a little bit about Oh No, Jackie O. And the fact that were you surprised when you realized that uh, Jackie Kennedy's private papers are sealed mm-hmm. or were sealed until the year 2044? We're mm-hmm. talking about sealing your papers for 80 years
0: what in the world is she hiding? What does she not want her children to know about her and her life until she was dead and gone? What what did she push so far into the future that even her children would be elderly?
1: Yeah, yeah, that was just shocking to me that she mm-hmm. would seal her papers. You know, it uh, was a very intriguing question. That's mm-hmm. what kind of led to my research on this book. Uh, Then, as I'm going through my research, the most shocking thing to me was when I discovered that Aristotle Nassos was her guest in the White House during the funeral. Did that
0: surprise you, Jeannie? So many things about this book surprised me. I can't list them all. I mean, it was so eye-opening. It was as if every page contained uh, things that made you go, oh, I never knew that. Oh, wow. Really? I can't Mm -hmm. believe it. But I believe it because the research was so great. Yes, Onassis being the only non-family member, and there were members of her own family she did not include in the White House. It didn't stay in the White House, her own sister, her own mother. And yet here was this man that her husband had forbidden from being in the United States, had forbidden from coming into our country and referred to as a pirate and many, many other very unflattering things that JFK said about Onassis. And there he was. Hidden away quietly and subtly inside the White House, the night of um, his murder. I mean, it's just it's just stunning to me.
1: Yeah, and most people don't know that prior to the assassination, uh, one month early, month and a half, October first. 1963, Jackie was Ari's guest on his ship, the Christina, and uh, she went, although JFK was not keen about it. He did allow her to do it, but when she left the ship, Ari gave her over $50,000 in jewels, mm-hmm. a little farewell gift. So A little,
0: a little farewell gift.
1: A little farewell, <laughs> and prior to the assassination, JFK had actually forbidden Onassis to enter the country until after the election. So there he shows up at the White House. What a shock that must have been to his family.
0: Well, I think Onassis was the penultimate uh, patriarch. I think his family—he um, was—he ruled his family with an iron hand, not necessarily an iron fist, but an iron hand. And whatever he said, he ruled the people that worked for him and he basically ruled most of Greece and the industry of the world and his wealth and his power was not questioned. People did not argue with him. And I don't think his family argued with him either, even though they were probably just dumbfounded by the whole thing. Although he had, you know, he had made overtures to Jackie over time and she and her sister had spent time on the yacht. I mean, there was a lot of cross <laughs> pollination going on back there between Onassis and Jackie Kennedy at the time.
1: You know, and it's interesting Jeannie that a lot of people felt that or thought because she was a Kennedy, she was wealthy. Well, she was not wealthy and all the money that was there was tied up in the Kennedy trust funds. Mm -hmm. The reality is she was only left a $25,000 insurance policy from JFK and that she was also getting the interest from a trust fund that had been set up for the children, which was to be terminated upon her remarriage. So she was not as wealthy as people tend to think.
0: In fact, she was, I mean, she was a, a shockingly poor rich girl. Everybody's money was everybody else's money, but not her money. Her stepfather, Hugh Auchincloss. Uh, he had all the money when, his, when her mother Janice married him. Uh, then she gets into the Kennedy family. The Kennedy family has all the money. She didn't have her own money. And that was something you brought out so pointedly and how how it transfigured her throughout her life of this being a poor rich girl. People thought she was rich and she had no disposable income of her own that she could totally control. She was controlled by other people's money. And I think that, you know, Aristotle, well, you know it all better than anyone, I think, on this planet. You know, Aristotle was her escape hatch. That was where all the money lay. And that's she dove through that escape hatch. I mean, within a few years. uh, And she even, you know, she even fell into a web of what could have been very duplicitous, very, you know, a lot of machination going on behind the scenes to free her up just so she could marry Onassis.
1: she was the proverbial uh rich girl looking through the window of wealth and not able to possess it herself everyone they were portrayed at that time as a very uh popular it was a political marriage they were on the front covers of all the newspapers Mm -hmm. everyone in the country was in love with their image Right, and uh, the reason that they actually got married was Jack's father kind of uh, engineered that re- romance because he felt that in order for Jack to get elected, he had to be married. He had to be married to a Catholic, and it would be best if they had a few children. But the reality was that uh, they had separate lives in separate bedrooms in the White House and they were not as close as they were made Right,
0: right, and I thought it was very interesting that you brought to the forefront the information about Jackie's relationship with Joseph Kennedy, with JFK's father. She wooed the father, she charmed the father, she spoke French, she was an equestrian, she rode horses, she was so elegant and she was so fine boned and she seemed to just ooze all that sophistication, all that class. And she was the perfect catch for JFK in, her, in his father's mind. So, you know, what Joseph Kennedy said was going to happen was as much a determination of his family's outcomes as Aristotle Onassis with his family's outcomes. And there was exactly right in the middle of it. So. Yeah.
1: And I thought it was very interesting when my research showed that JFK actually took his wedding ring off as he left the church right after their wedding. Talk about,
0: about his uh, the sanctity of marriage to him. He just couldn't get that ring off fast enough. Yeah, talk
1: about a red flag. Mm-hmm. And most people, this is something most people do not know either. During the beginning of their marriage, Jackie was very depressed when she realized the situation she found herself in. And sadly, she had electroshock therapy, early in their marriage uh, due to severe depression and this is something that was really hidden and kept under uh the covers people the kennedys did not want this to get out they wanted to portray her as this perfectly happy kennedy wife and bride
0: model woman the model woman the perfect woman Yeah.
1: And then um, when she lost her first baby, Jack was on a cruise in Europe and he only returned. So as not to offend women voters, Uh, Jackie's mother and Bobby Kennedy, they were the ones who buried the baby. Uh, Jackie was in the hospital and Jack was nowhere to be seen. Mm -hmm. Uh, Peter Evans and his book Nemesis, which I recommend for everyone states that Jackie actually believed the child was the result of an affair, which is just speculation. But what a sad thing to even have to consider that possibility.
0: Well, and you know what? That's the kettle calling the pot black or the pot calling the kettle black because nobody, nobody in the history of the presidency has had more affairs than JFK. And that's (laughs) one thing that surprised me by your book. I mean, so well-documented, so many people, so many women, such behavior that this this country, if everybody in this country reads that book, their mouth will hang open in shock at the facts that are revealed there, will hang open in shock. We're not talking a couple of women, we're not talking of just this one or that one, the ones that we all know about, Marilyn Monroe and so forth, yeah, but oh my gosh, uh, you got I, I don't want to give away all the, well, there's so much in that book, I couldn't possibly give it all away. It is the richest treasure trove. Oh, no, Jackie O. And you're going to say that when you read it. Oh, no, Jackie O. Oh. Speaking of that,
1: here's a little uh, message.
2: Let me ask you a question. Are you still wondering who killed Kennedy? Over 50 years later, the assassination is still a mystery. It is unfinished business for our country. Now, get ready for a theory that you've never heard before but will make more sense than any other conspiracy theory that you've ever heard in the past. January Jones speaks the unspeakable in her book, Jackie, Ari, and Jack, The Tragic Love Triangle, connecting Jackie and Aristotle Onassis romantically prior to JFK's assassination. Did you know that Ari was Jackie's guest in the White House during the JFK funeral? He was the only non-family member who was invited by Jackie to stay there during the funeral. Aristotle Onassis was one of the wealthiest men in the world, with the means, the motive, and the money to order an assassination that was the perfect crime of the last century. Ari needed class, and Jackie needed cash. They were perfect for each other. Now, what is Camelot? It is but another tragic love triangle. Jackie, Ari, and Jack is available at JanuaryJones.com, Amazon.com, and Audiobooks.com, read by Ms. Jones.
1: Welcome back with my friend, the story Jeannie, Jeannie Kerkorin. and she is the audio narrator for Oh No Jackie O. And Jeannie, you did an incredible job. Before we took our break, we were talking about uh, JFK and his uh, affairs and his Uh, life that people didn't know about. And Joe Kennedy, people don't realize that Joe Kennedy actually gave Jackie $1 million to stay in the marriage because at that point she was ready to dump him. And Joe wanted her there so he could be elected. And when Jackie was in the hospital, this has really got to me, was having Caroline JFK at that point had an affair with her sister, Lee Radgeswell. Uh And, you know, down the road, what comes around comes back. Uh, Jackie did not leave her sister anything in her will, but she did leave money to her sister's children, who she was very fond about. And, uh, you know, Jackie knew all about JFK's affair with Marilyn Monroe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, most of the country. Well, we all kind of had a glimpse of it when she sang that "Happy Birthday,
0: Mr. President."
1: Yeah.
0: Mr. Yes, see-through yes. dress. Oh my yes. God! And as as slinky and sleazy as she could sing it, it was. Yeah. You know, well, how,
1: how how embarrassing for Jackie! It was just. It's humiliating. Yeah. So yeah. mm-hmm. I, I humiliation for her came from the fact that. Not just the public, but the people in the White House knew about it. And these were the people that she saw every day. This is where she was raising her children. Um, It was very humiliating. And, of course, we know what happened to Marilyn. Sadly, she was out of the picture. And apparently uh, she had threatened to go public. Mm-hmm. with her there, not only with Jack, but with Bobby. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess this is why we see so much about the Marilyn Monroe story, because it was a tragic story for their family. And, and, you know, it was a tragic story for the entire country at that time.
0: It was. It was. And, there, you know, there will always be speculation about uh, Marilyn's death as well. Um, I remember reading that autopsy results said she had undissolved, undissolved pills in her stomach, which meant that they were put in her stomach after she was already dead, when her body wasn't processing the pills. So
1: that's an
0: interesting thing.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and that her entire house was vacuumed and sanitized and cleaned from top to bottom by professionals before the police were ever even called. Yeah. But that's another story for January Jones to write about, right? <laughs> yeah, another one.
1: Um, and interestingly, Jackie went on a cruise. This was before her cruise with Amasis with uh, Johnny Agnally, uh the Fiat heir. And during this cruise, as I have, through my research, documented that she sent the Secret Service back to the States to pick up her diaphragm. <laughs> now... <laughs> That wasn't a uh, don't get mad, get even moment. Mm-hmm. Wow. That was yeah. pretty amazing for me to discover. And also, it was very tragic for her, too, that during this time, right before his assassination, Jack Kennedy was having an affair with Mary My- Myers. Uh, she was supposedly Jackie's close friend. And everyone was aware of this uh blatant, indiscreet trans transgression that was taking place while Jackie was out of the country. What a horrible thing to come home to.
0: Always. What a horrible life to live through when the pretense is so beautiful, the false facade is so beautiful and so perfect, and what lies behind it is rotting. It's rotting and decaying and eating her alive. You know, what woman... what well, I don't know what woman anywhere would survive it as well as she did and Mm -hmm. keep the public front up the way she did. And I think it was driven by her insecurity about money and her, you know, her, her need to have what she wanted to have. Yeah. And, you
1: know, at this time, Aristotle Onassis was one of the wealthiest, most powerful men in the world. He had the motive the money and the means to order an assassination of anyone in the world whenever he wanted to. And he actually was able to commit the perfect crime of the last century. The bottom line, it gets down to Ari needed class and Jackie needed cash and they were the perfect match for each other. Aristotle's son even said that when, after they were married, that they were perfect for each other.
0: Right. Well, didn't the son and the daughter both refer to her as the black widow? Yeah. yeah. They didn't like her very much. No. Their you know, no. father wanted their father got and he wanted Jackie Kennedy. And I think he wanted her as far back as the first time he met her, when she was with Jack and he was a senator. Mm-hmm. Jo- and Joseph Kennedy called and and ca- cajoled getting into uh getting them into his yacht because oh, of, you know, all the connections that Aristotle had and, and Aristotle and Asis really didn't want him, you know, having anything to do with John F. Kennedy, but he was enchanted by Jackie. The yeah. fact that she spoke French and she was right. so so worldly and so elegant and so classy.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. everyone was enchanted with her. The entire world was enchanted with her. Mm-hmm. Aristotle Onassis was a collector of paintings, art gems, but also he was a collector of people, and those were the most prized possessions. He. Uh, was uh, romancing Maria Callas, who was a world-famous opera, a Greek singer. Also, his most prized collection uh, collect- person up until Jackie was Winston Churchill. So now Winston Churchill is spending time on the yacht. He's painting. He's chatting with Ari. Every port of call they go into, Winston is displayed. And then when he got... I- it-
0: yeah, right just flock to him
1: flock to him yeah and when he got his eyes on Jackie she became the crown jewel of this collection of people and because he was with her doors open you know before he married Jackie he was just a Greek pirate everyone you know he was kind of looked down after he married Jackie he's now having dinner with the Rothschilds he has been elevated into a social scene that he had no chance of getting into without her. She opened the doors of the world to him. She was a wonderful collection to his, uh, prize jewel.
0: Mm-hmm. It was interesting how, when you talk about, when you bring out the fact that Aristotle Onassis was a collector of people uh, and Winston Churchill was until Jackie, the, the pinnacle of his success doing that. But he was so entrenched with movie stars, oh my goodness, and so many affairs with movie stars. I think Greta Garbo, uh, I think, didn't Audrey Hepburn have an affair with JFK as well? I mean, the way that Hollywood was woven into all of this, the way that it was woven in and and part of them, um, Peter Lawford, of course, was very showbiz and all these different showbiz um, elements. I was very surprised by all of that. I didn't realize, I mean, I realized that there were always rumors about this actress or that actress with JFK, and, but Aristotle Onassis was always, um, he was with uh, Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton all the time. He was with all of these really big, major international stars. Didn't uh, What a surprise that was. The layers is amazing. The layers of that story, uh, January, that you've woven together are amazing.
1: Well, the reason Jeannie knows so much about that is she also did the audio book for the Christina, which is a book that I wrote completely about the yacht. Mm -hmm. And Onassis, in reality, was the first jet setter. Once Mm -hmm. he had his yacht, everyone flocked. It was a little status symbol to be with him, to go on his yacht, to be wined and dined. and. In the uh, Christina, I described what the yacht was like. Wasn't it amazing,
0: Jeannie? In fact, I was on a I was on a U.S. Navy destroyer recently at a reunion for some naval folks, and mm-hmm. the destroyer was the same size, actually a little smaller than the Christina, which was oh. a, a Nostoc's yacht. He had taken a warship and gutted it and made it, as you said so ably in your book. Made it into something extraordinary. The first super yacht, really, the first amazing super yacht. Yeah. Yes, it
1: was, yeah. And people don't realize this that Onassis was connected, well connected to the mafia in Europe. Uh, he was Greek. That's where he lived. That's where he operated. There also were links uh, to drug trafficking in the Golden Triangle in Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. He was able to transport drugs on his ships, and the ships were actually a perfect cover uh, for the shipping and oil business. was a perfect cover for what was going on below death. and he was. That's how he became one of the wealthiest men in the world and one of the most powerful. Mm-hmm. And right that- now, we're going to take a break and hear about some priceless personalities who have been on my show. Have you ever met someone who was unforgettable? Someone who has touched your heart and soul. People who have faced difficult problems. People who have struggled to find solutions. People who fearlessly shared their stories. People who have not only informed you, but inspired you. People who have priceless personalities. I have been fortunate to host an internet radio talk show called January Jones Sharing Success Stories. And it has been my privilege to interview hundreds of guests. My guests have shared their stories, their struggles, their secrets, and their successes in their own words. In this book, we're talking about people dealing with problems such as incest, molestation, runaway kids, child abuse, drug abuse, polygamy, unemployment
2: to heal, an inspiring laughter yoga instructor, a mother dealing with the loss of a child, an incredible motivational speaker, a woman who married five times, a gifted paranormal nurse, a wise economist, a funny female humorist, along with an older man sharing his sweet childhood in the Deep South. January's guests are all amazing and amusing. You will never forget meeting them. Go to Amazon.com for your own priceless experience.
1: Welcome back with my guest, the story, Jeannie. You know, Jeannie, um, people don't realize this, but Onassis was well connected to the French OAS. This was a terrorist group at that time, and they hated De Gaulle, and they also hated Jack Kennedy. And uh, the reality is that three of them were in Dallas on November 23rd. They were stopped, but not detained. They fled the country. They flew and they escaped through Canada within 48 hours of JFK's murder. Mm. I think that's quite one of the big things that I discovered. And uh, actually, I named the shooter in the book. And he is the same man that was identified as the shooter in the A&E documentary series, Who Killed Kennedy? What are you talking about, Tim?
0: Right. You steered me to that. I had never seen that. And that is up on YouTube, The Men Who Killed Kennedy. And it so supports what you stated. And, you know, you said it first. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And uh, let's just uh, say his name once for our listeners.
0: Oh, boy, I don't know if I can pronounce that again. It was very French. Oh, what was his name? Forgive Uh, me. I should know that. I should have that right in front of me. Um, Let me think.
1: think. Jean. Jean Sartre.
0: Like Jean Sartre. Jean Sartre.
1: Jean, yeah. And he was by the A&E, and that just stunned me. And they had something that had been out, and now you can't find it. It's been taken off the Internet. So something is going on there. After JFK's death, uh, Onassis began his pursuit of Jackie. And in er- as early as December 1964, she flew to Paris as the only passenger on an Olympic airways jet. She spent three days alone with Onassis in Paris. And they... Uh, conducted a very private courtship as a matter of fact she was seen out with other men but this was just a cover the real man courting her at that time was Onassis and I go back to what happened on that ship when she was with him after uh, before the assassination and I always h- hypothesized that maybe they were out there sitting under the stars and whining and dining, and he would say, Jacqueline, I worship you, I adore you. Now, let me ask you a question. If your husband were out of the picture, would I have a chance? Now, come on, what woman in the world <laughs> who is a new widow would not say, yes, of course, I would consider you, only,
0: Right? It's very true. Very true. And even if that's just a hypothesis, yours is stronger and better fleshed out than many, many, many other theories out there. It's a unique, one of a kind hypothesis that you put forward to quote, speak the unspeakable. You really do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He was um Bobby Kennedy did not like him. Mm-hmm. They were enemies, complete enemies, and he was very opposed. And he made Jackie promise that she would not marry him till after the election. Of Bobby. Right. Yeah. But then lo and behold, Bobby was killed. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: um, interesting, the timing on the whole situation.
0: Right. There was a lot of money moving around from Aristotle. A lot of money moving around that, according to the facts you've uncovered and so forth, leads people to hypothesize that that that's meant to the assassination of Bobby Kennedy.
1: Yeah, yeah. He, he was standing in the way of the marriage. So it, <clears throat> it's easy to take the next step and assume, mm-hmm. oh, now had to get rid of him. And mm-hmm. of course he was gone. And then within four months of
0: Bobby's death, guess who got married? That's right. That's right. And uh, married she did. That was, I, I thought it was very interesting to reflect on Jackie's, Devotion as a mother, you know, that's something that maybe people never thought about her, but it really comes through no matter what the money situation, the man situation was. She loved her children and mm-hmm. they were with her and she she wanted to provide for their future. She never wanted them to suffer the way she did with the insecurity. For, and, you know, that, that was something that went out so well. Yeah, yeah,
1: you know, on their wedding day. It was a big payday for Jackie. Mm-hmm. Onassis gave Jackie $5 million in cash. Uh, she got $3 million and he put in $1 million for each child, and that was the wedding gap. And it was the first time in her life that she actually had control of money, and uh, this was real cash. Right. This wasn't trust fund money. The first year of her marriage to Onassis, she spent, wait you hear this. One point two million on clothes. Wow.
0: Wow. I can't even get my I can't wrap my head around that, you know.
1: Yeah, you know, his staff they they called her the super tinker.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well she was certainly filling up with his money. So that was Yeah. Yeah. But I, I you know, it she had she had a psychological need for money. I mean a deep, desperate bottomless well kind of need for money and you brought that out about her piece by piece and bit by bit and person by person her own brother or her own stepbrother I mean she they everyone knew it who truly knew her that Mm -hmm. she was desperate to have money of her own and be independently wealthy that couldn't be controlled by anybody else and I don't think anyone has ever really expressed it in such clear detail as you did. And that's probably because your sources were so extensive, so extensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And um, after Ari's death, uh, she and Ted Kennedy negotiated with Christina Onassis for what she would receive. And they settled. Uh, she asked for $20 million and also added $6 million so she could pay taxes. So it's nice to know she paid her taxes. Mm -hmm. And uh, so she started out with $20 million, and at the time of her death, her estate was worth $250 million. Mm -hmm. So she wisely invested that money, and it gave her the security that she longed for her entire life.
0: Well, and that $250 million net worth she had in her estate when she passed away was an interesting story that you touched upon Um, And the man who counseled her and financially managed her and helped her in New York to amass that fortune.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Again, she was very, very astute in choosing the men who were central to her life. Not extraneous men that she knew and casually had dinner with and went here with or went there with. But the key individuals were not the most handsome, the youngest, the, the most smashing, impressive looking men. Not at all. I don't know, they were more the, the brains were beautiful. Yeah.
1: The were extraordinary. Yeah, which makes her, in my opinion, so brilliant. Mm-hmm. The way she conducted her life, we had the uh, worship of the entire world. And uh, her marriage to Anastasia, that kicked up a storm. You know, she was condemned by the Vatican. She had to go against the religion. But the interesting thing was Rose Kennedy. Fully endorsed the marriage.
0: <laughs> well, I Rose Kennedy probably was cheering her on to be free of the Kennedys, because Rose Kennedy was never free of them.
1: No, that's right. That's, oh, that could be a whole other show. That um, is
0: a whole story, yeah.
1: You know, so sadly, we were all served up this uh, term Camelot. And actually, the reality, it was created by Jackie uh, just for an article she did with others like for life magazine and she created this uh, story and it was her fantasy yeah yeah her fantasy. yeah and the reality Camelot what was it it was a tragic love story and it involved three people and when all was said and done the last one left, the last one standing, the last one who had all the money and all the worship of the world was
0: Jackie. That's right. She was, she was Princess Guinevere. She was Queen Guinevere. Uh, and it was interesting, too, your background that you provided on her as a child and how she loved the princess motif. And she loved the princess-type clothing and little crowns and, and little scepters. And she always, from early, early childhood, wanted to be royalty. She wanted to be a princess. She wanted to be Guinevere. She wanted to be in Camelot. And the fact that you had quotes from people that knew JFK and had been active in the White House and active in politics. And they were just they were just flabbergasted that she would come up with this entire fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Oh, that sang the song of Camelot when he wandered around their quarters. Everyone said it was just so bogus and so totally untrue and so completely unfounded. But she carried it off, and the public ate it with a spoon until it was like whipped cream. They just couldn't get enough. Couldn't yeah, get enough.
1: yeah. yeah I mean, until 30, 40 years later, then started, the truth started right. to come out, and we started to know what was going on.
0: And women became more and more assertive about the truth of being uh, themselves, and not mm-hmm. just a sexual object or an accessory item that a man wears like a cufflink. you know it it changed a lot in the sixties and seventies and you know, really oh yeah. yeah and on on from there
1: well, Jeannie story, Jeannie, thank you for coming on the show it 's as always it's wonderful to visit with you and share your insight and i can't begin to thank you so much for doing such a wonderful audio narration
0: for my book. Mm-hmm. I have such a great thing to work with. What an amazing story you had to tell.
1: Well, to our listeners, thank you for listening, and we hope you've learned a little more today. Thank you for entering the no-wine zone, and share our stories. And remember, stop whining, start smiling. And if that doesn't work, then you can just start eating chocolate, lots and lots of chocolate.